All right, let's start off hour number two. Welcome to the program. I'm Jim Rome. A very good Wednesday to you. I want to remind you, since it is a Wednesday, it's an ATP day. Ask the Pros, brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. You want to go to cbssportsradio.com slash askthepros, submit a question there. You know I'm going to answer one or more of them later on. In the meantime, think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. Get the parts and service you need fast from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. This guy, I think, nails it. At S. Johnson, 1937, on the X, writes, Jimmy... I have no interest in MLB, but so interesting listening to Verducci and the manager's situations. Scott in the 716, I I agree with you. First of all, I do have an interest in Major League Baseball. I love baseball, but I can see whereby you don't like baseball, but you like that. Two reasons. Number one, Tom Verducci is inherently really interesting. He's really interesting. He's very bright, very talented, extremely well-pedigreed. He's got five Emmy Awards. He's in the Hall of Fame. So first and foremost, he's going to make it really interesting because he is interesting. Number two, the subject matter here is really interesting. We're talking about Craig Council, who is one of the top one or two or three managers in baseball. One of the rare guys that does make a difference. You know, you could always ask that question, how many wins a year is a manager really worth? And even that question has changed over time with the advent of analytics. And it was so interesting what Tom Berducci said. He said that over the last few years, managers' salaries have actually gone down. The council is now the highest paid manager since Joe Torre, Joe Torre, years ago. And the reason for that is the new stars are not the managers, but those in the analytics departments, in the front office. They're the ones making the big money right now. And the council took it upon himself to, first, he wanted to change that. And he did, I think, or could. This guy's making eight mil a year now. Terry Francona, I think, was the highest paid manager prior to that at four and a half mil. And now Council makes eight. There was a report that Milwaukee offered him five and a half. Well, what do you think the guy's gonna do? Eight or five and a half? Eight or five and a half. So what's really interesting about this story is you have a homegrown guy, loves it there has roots there, has had success there, doesn't necessarily want to leave. I think he wanted to explore the market, for sure. But that's why I said to Tom Berducci, if they matched that offer, would he still be there? He said, yeah, I think he would. So if you're Milwaukee, to me, it's not a matter of, can you afford to match that offer? Can you afford not to match that offer? Milwaukee ownership would say, listen, this guy certainly had something to do with our success, but not all of it. We have a lot of good things going on here. He was a great manager. We had a lot of success. And we're going to find another great manager. And we're going to have more success. Maybe. But I think I'm pretty safe in saying you're not going to find another Craig Council. Not in Murphy and not anywhere else. Unless you can poach Bruce Bochy. He's that good a manager. So what's really intriguing is you've got this homegrown guy who not only left I think that Brewer fan can understand him leaving. I think Brewer fan can understand him leaving for that amount of money. I think what Brewer fan can't deal with is that he went to the enemy. And I know why that's hard to stomach, but can you blame him? Brewer fan, be real. Would any of you not have done that? Eight mil. Forty mil. Yes, the enemy. Let's not forget your guy Brett Favre once went to the Vikings. All right? 
Business is business. My feeling is, if you want to be really angry, first of all, you shouldn't be angry, period. But if they had matched that offer and he still left, then I could see where you'd be pissed. But how can you be angry when Chicago went in there and blew Milwaukee out of the water? Now, if I'm a Mets fan, I'd be like, dang. We end up with Carlos Mendoza, a guy who's never managed above Class A. We couldn't get this guy. How do we not do whatever is necessary to get Craig Council? And they couldn't. But then again, what Tom Verducci said, the last seven Mets managers have not gotten another job after the Mets job. That is incredible. In other words, managers go there to die. It's Who would have ever thought it's career suicide to manage the Mets? The last seven guys. That is really something. So that's in response to what Scott said. Then you got this guy. Try and make this make sense. Try and make anything this guy says or does make sense. Eric in Orlando, nine, on the X. Remember, Eric in Orlando has been living off one great line. He glossed James Kelly the flight deck. He's been living off that line exclusively. This is what he sent to me. Romy, why do you call Zach the Coog Hunter? 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 That's what Eric sent me. Hey, Eric, I got a question. Why do you say that you don't fish on boats, you fish on a boat? Why do you say you don't fish on boats, you fish on a boat? Why do you say you don't fish on boats, you fish on a boat? Why do you say you don't fish on boats, you fish on a boat? Why do you say you don't fish on boats, you fish on a boat? Why do you say you don't fish on boats, you fish on a boat? Why do you say you don't fish on boats, you fish on a boat? The hell is wrong with you, Eric? Hey, one more thing, Eric. Why did you try to steer my kid into a pro at Columbia? Why did you try to tell my teenage son that it's okay to get with a prostitute in Colombia? Why'd you do that? Eric, why do you send me tweets like that? Eric, why do you send me tweets like that? 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 Dude, I know you love me. Understandable. I know you love me. But you have a really funny way of showing it. See, now this guy's better. Dude, you're just, you're not funny, Eric. No offense. That doesn't make you a bad guy. You're just not a funny guy. You somehow miraculously pulled a funny line out your backside and have been chasing it so hard ever since. You will never, ever, ever achieve that glory ever again. Your body of work has proven that. Jamie in Green Bay. Now, here's a guy who gets it. Jamie in Green Bay is much better at it. Jamie in Green Bay is pretty funny. Jamie in Green Bay, unlike you, Eric, is not trying very hard. Jamie, Jamie in Green Bay also does not repeat himself over and over again. Oh, I get it. That's the joke, Eric. You are poking fun at yourself. Good one, Eric. Anyway, Jamie Green Bay writes, I'm glad that you didn't give Eddie a golden ticket. Can you take away the one that he doesn't have, putting him in the negative? See, now that's funny, Eric. Because then if Eddie were to get a golden ticket, probably never happening. But even if he did, 
I would have to have him at zero if I took away the one he doesn't have. Baby boy. Baby boy. Here's your golden ticket. You still don't have one because you're in the negative. That's funny. Romy, I plead the fifth. Regards, Rome, when Woody asks him if he wants pork chops with his eight-egg omelet. War Rome, when DJ finds the 70 skin mags in the Wisco boathouse. Bro, who sent that? That's great. Geoff sent that. Come on, Geoff. I'm going to plead the fifth on all this one. <laughs> the Geoff thing is, and I hate to say it because people know where we live, and I've told you that's a famous, a famous boathouse. It's a famous boathouse. It's a famous boathouse. People know the boathouse. If I make a point of glorifying that there are 70 skin mags in there, people might take them. Hey, Eric, it's not a FOMUS bait house. It's a FOMUS bait house. We've done nothing to the boathouse, much to the chagrin of the neighborhood, who all wants to know, Rome, what are you doing with that boathouse? That Fomus Bait House. What are you doing with that Fomus Bait House, Rome? Nothing. Nothing, clearly. There are 70s skin mags that were left in that Fomus Bait House. And I never took them out. And yes, the pages are stuck together. I, I don't want to go up in there and clean it out, man. Thank you, Abby. Some crazy stuff going on in that boathouse. I I don't know who dropped the skin mags in there. I do know that a famous, famous author used to compose up in there, which is incredible. I don't think they were his famous skin mags because those skin mags seem to be dated after he was in there. Somebody went up in there to do illicit things. I've changed nothing. They've got these funky, funky little tulip curtains that I've never changed. Like, if you were to see this house, and notice that when I go there, I never post pics of the house, just to the water and the dock. But the house, we built the house. We knocked down the house and built a new house, so the house is pretty pristine. The boathouse looked exactly like the house that we knocked down. Not so pristine. And I haven't changed it. I don't know. You know what I should do? I should take the skin rags with the pages stuck together to the Eagle River Antique Show and get them priced. My fear about this skin house or the skin bags in the famous boathouse is if I go over there and look at them, that dog next door will bite me again. Anyway, Geoff, nice job. The point is, Geoff, DJ knows about the skin rags. She, in fact, may have even pointed them out to me. She knows. She knows. I think everybody knows. Now, I think we're going to go there for Christmas. We've never done that before. I don't know what my man Woody's got in store for Christmas. Other than snowmobiles. But in terms of food, 
I've never seen Woody Zacked in the winter, only in the summer. Woody's my dude now. Woody's my one of my better friends now. Love Woody. Problem with Woody getting run on this show, other people stop me at Eagle River now, and they want to know why they can't be on the show. Woody's not lobbying to be on the show. Woody's never won any part of the show. Woody's not about that. Woody doesn't even know when I chat him up. Woody doesn't care. Woody's like a man's man. Woody, like I've said before, Woody, Woody's like half Bill Gates, half Paul Bunyan. Woody's not about the show. But I'm telling you, there is no shortage of dudes that when I'm at Eagle River say to me, yo, man, why, why don't you keep Woody out your mouth? Why are you always hyping him? What about me? What about me? And I'm like, what about you? If you know the show, you can relate to this. You, no names mentioned, you are about as interesting as Eric in Orlando. You are about as interesting as Geoff. That's why I'm not talking about you. Woody, I've never met a dude like Woody. Woody's really interesting. Woody is like part exceptional athlete, part exceptional woodsman, part exceptional entrepreneur. Woody's from a town of like five people. Like I've never met a dude like this. I should put him on the show, but there's more mystique to not putting him on the show. Van Smack, another stellar take from Eric in Orlando. I am so glad that Eric could take time away from his holiday tradition of drinking booze hidden in a sunscreen bottle and trying to convince local community college girls to sail away with him to Penn Island. Go back to your pineapple under the the dock sponge blob. Vaughn in Knoxville. Holy crap, Vaughn. Vaughn in Knoxville. Nobody is happier about that, Vaughn, besides you, than James Kelly. That was incredible. Hey, Romy, the Jets are going to crack the silver and black. Zach Wilson, our backs are going to feast. Unleash Brees. Zach Wilson, the bull cut's going to cry, time to die. Zach Wilson. That's what's in. Yours, Eddie in NYC. (laughs) That's what's in. That's what's in. I'll tell you what, man, nobody loves anybody or anything as much as Eddie loves Zach. And if he's going that hard and willing to die on Coog Hunter Hill, can you imagine if Zach somehow, someway shocked the world and got over? Eddie, shout out. If he wins this week, that's still not enough for you to back up everything you're saying. He has to win multiple games. You know what Zach has to do to justify all your love for him and all the hype? He's got to get them into the postseason. He's got to keep their season alive long enough for Aaron to pull some miracle. And if Aaron can't work that miracle, then Zach needs to get them into the postseason. The way you talk about this guy, Eddie, he not only has to get them to the postseason, he has to win in the postseason. And Eddie, you know none of that's ever going to happen. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. My man, are you sure you want to die on that hill? Baby boy. Baby boy, you are way too deep in it not to die on that hill. They will bury you on that hill. But my man, when they do, I will give the eulogy. Eddie C., the renegade master, was a great man. A man loved by all. But he loved Zach more than we loved him. I'll be there for it.
My man, you're going to die on that hill. If you keep calling this show to hype that guy, you will die on Coog Hunter Hill. You will. But I will be there. I will be one of the pallbearers. I will deliver the eulogy. I will be there for you. Hey, Rome, as a lifelong Brewers fan, yeah, it stung to have counsel leave for the Cubs. But he was 1-8 in his last four postseasons. I wish him well, but I'm excited to see who the Brewers' next manager is. Mike in Green Bay. Hey, Mike, whatever works for you, bro. Whatever works for you. If that's what you want to go with, we can do better. He was 1-8 and eight in his last four postseasons. All right, cool. You're not going to find a better manager. If I were the Brewers, and easy to say because it's not my money, but they are a major league team, and we are talking about a difference maker, I at least match that offer. Make him tell you no. But I don't let that guy walk. And I sure as hell don't let him walk to the rival where he can beat your brains in routinely and then you never ever forget what you once had. Hey, Jim. When did James Kelly take over the big chair? Signed, Fomus Baithouse. I know, right? Pat in Scranton. Winthrop. It, it, the thing is, though, it's true. It is a Fomus Baithouse. I was so mad. Every one of these people in my neighborhood would like, Rome, what are you doing? What are you going to do with that house? And I finally said, God, if one more person asked me, and this woman said, and I quote, Jim, relax. It's a Fomus bait house. It's a Fomus bait house. Everybody wants to know. You do know that, right, Rome? You own a Fomus bait house. It's a Fomus bait house. What are you doing with that Fomus bait house? Oh, I didn't know I had a Fomus Bait House. Why didn't you say so? I'm still doing nothing with the Fomus Bait House. There's a few companies that trick Fomus Bait Houses out, and they're like, hey, man, we got Rome. We got Rome on the hook. It's just a matter of when. Uh, If I haven't come around yet, I probably won't. Uh, I'm that guy that rents a boat every summer and hasn't bought one yet. So what makes you think I'm going to turn my Fomus Bait House into a nightclub. It's just a structure, yo. It's just a structure for which to hide 70 skin mags and a few jet skis. I'm not turning that thing into a nightclub like my dude Matt Coleman did. Coleman's boathouse is nicer than my actual house. My dude's got like a lounge, like a club up in here. All right, that's the Eagle River update. Now you know. This guy writes, as someone, (laughs) this guy, all right. This guy writes, as someone who has been by your cabin. Bro, I don't want to be this guy. You know it's not a cabin. I kind of wish it were, but you know it's not. As someone who has been by your cabin multiple times and gotten away from you this last year, this Eagle River talk is awesome. Keep it up. War Utah hockey. John from Green Bay. No, that's true, John. I appreciate you, man. And I'll see you again soon. And you're more than welcome to stop by the dock anytime you want. You know, and we are going to talk hockey. In fact, the bookers and I were talking about NHL coaches to book. So we're not going to wait till the postseason. We will, quote, talk hockey. I love when you talk hockey. Also, sidebar, personal note, Sabres fans, let me shout out to you really quickly. 
You know Ryan Johnson, your former first-round pick? Ryan Johnson is getting playing time. Ryan Johnson is the son of Craig Johnson, who played in the NHL for 10 years, who's a very good friend of mine, and I'm not name-dropping, but Ryan and Jake Rome grew up on the same street in Irvine. So it really is mind-blowing. Ryan was always an unbelievable athlete, an unbelievable kid. And he's got two sibs that are great kids, too. But it, it's mind-blowing to me that some kid that grew up on our street, even if his dad was a former NHLer and a good one and a great coach, it's just mind-blowing to me that a kid who grew up on our street in Irvine, California, is a first-round draft pick in the NHL and playing for the big club. So we're proud of Ryan. And we will ta hockey, for sure. John from Green Bay sent that. Yo, dude, drop by the dock anytime. You got it. Eagle River's fun. That's a great place. When we come back, wow, all over it. Hey, Michigan man. Hey, Jaworski. We're probably going to get to you. We're probably going to get to you. And not because I won't get off of you. And I know that you want to move on, but there's something new every single day. Weird new, too. And weird in this case is good. Really good. Dell's Black Friday event is their biggest sale of the year. Shop limited time deals on laptops like the stylish, innovative XPS 13, engineered to do it all on the Intel Evo platform. Plus, say big on ultra-sharp monitors and top-brand accessories. It is the perfect time to upgrade any home, business, or gaming setup. It's powered by Intel Core processors, and you can shop right now at dell.com slash deals to take advantage of huge savings and free shipping. Once again, that's dell.com slash deals, dell.com slash deals. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. Ben Culver coming up next segment. So we're talking NBA. It's good, right? Talk some baseball, talk some NBA, in and around football and Michigan, man. Speaking of football, actually, before I do that, Brewer fan's not happy. This guy said, quote, Council is a straight-up traitor. Great dude. Excellent manager. But he will be getting an earful when he comes back to AmFam. War our cheap owner selling the team to somebody who wants to win. Max in Wisconsin. Dude, you're all over the map. You just said war our cheap owner selling the team to somebody who wants to win. That's why your manager left, right? Because the owner was too cheap to pay him. So why does that make counsel a traitor? So let me get this straight. You're okay with him leaving because your owner is cheap, but you're not okay with him going to the enemy. Yeah, except that the enemy put $8 million a year in front of him. What was he supposed to do? No. Hey, Max, let me ask you something. And your fam, your fam, you know I'm half Wisconsin now. I'm a homeowner in Wisconsin. I pay taxes in Wisconsin. We sent a child to the University of Wisconsin, Madison. So I think I can say this to you. What would you have done, Max, 
If it were you, Max, what would you have done? Max, you're the owner of the Brewers, and the Cubs want you badly. And the Cubs say to you, man, hey, Max, we think you're the difference maker. We think you're the best manager in the game. We want you, Max. Get on the jet, Max. Come on down here. We have a contract offer for you. And your owner, quote, your cheap owner who doesn't want to win, puts an offer of five and a half mil in front of you. And the Cubs put eight mil in front of you. What are you going to do, Max? Say no because you don't want to be a trainer? Bullcrap, Max. This dude's not a trader. They came with a much better offer. They needed him more. They wanted him more. And they proved it by scratching the check. I understand why you're butthurt because he went to the rival, but it doesn't make him a traitor. Damn good manager. And he took the better offer. Who wouldn't? I've never understood that about you clones. You take it so personally when you yourself would do the exact same thing. And you know how I know that? You're constantly throwing that crap in my face. When we talked about the live tour, how many of you said, hey, Rome, hey, Rome, you know you take that money. You know you take that money. Hey, and by the way, that blood money was a little bit different than cub money. Blood money is not cub money, although you Brewers fans might think that it is. I think that's very rich. Were you not the same ones that were all about the gunslinger? Then he went to the Vikings. The Vikings are every bit the enemy to the Packers. That was actually pure spite. This is not spite at all. This is, he still loves you. He still has roots there. This is not out of spite. He's not doing this because he hates you. Favre went to the Vikings so he could screw the Packers. That was out of spite. He went there because he hated Green Bay for the way they did them. That's not what this is. Maybe Council wanted to leave. I don't know what's in his head or heart. Maybe he wanted a new challenge. To Tom Verducci's point. What he wanted to do was reset the managerial market financially, and he wanted to stay true to his Midwest roots. I just think it's rich that you think that guy's a traitor when Favre went to the Vikings, and that was totally out of spite. <clears throat> 12 wood. I've got a boat. I live in Wisco. Now I'm just reading through my Rome family restraining order to see if there's an expiration date. War the Woodscopes on the Rome family estate's dock with a guy named John in Green Bay. A wood. I, I'm not in the mood to try to decode your crap either. Why, why are you all making me work so hard? You tryhards are not funny. Hey, Wood, do me a favor, dude. I appreciate you having a show about the show. Can you please stop calling my family members to be on your show? The answer is no. It's a standing no. It's a polite standing no, but it's a no. Jake's not doing it. Rogues sure as hell isn't doing it. And you know DJ's not doing it. DJ has a more profound respect for you than anybody, I'm sure. But she won't even do my show. So she's not doing your show about my show if she won't do my show. And I'm married to her. All right, so with that said, we'll take this break. When we come back, let's talk some NBA. Change up. You know the NBA season is underway. You know that 
in-season tourney was underway. Ben Golver joins us. That's coming up next. He will be on... Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. So you'll have your chance. You will. But first things first, let's talk some ball. We are joined right now by an NBA national writer for the Washington Post. He is also co-host of the Greatest of All Talk podcast. The author of Bubble Ball, Inside the NBA's Fight to Save a Season. Of course, I'm talking about Ben Golver. He joins us via Zoom. Ben, it's great to have you back. How are you? It's great to be back, Jim. I'm doing excellent. Just got off the road uh, seeing Victor Webanyama for four of his first five games, I should say. Just an incredible start to the season for him. And I think for the NBA in general, it's it's been a lot of excitement with this uh, this fresh-faced rookie down in San Antonio taking over. All right, so Ben, what do you make of that? Let me get your first impressions. Almost nothing ever, ever lives up to the hype. Seems to me that although it's early, Wemby has already smashed it. What did you think watching him? Well, in his fifth game against uh, Phoenix, he had 38 points, 10 rebounds. He's putting up numbers that no rookie or no teenager besides LeBron James and Kevin Durant have ever done in NBA history. So that's a pretty good place to start. What I really want to reinforce to people, though, is he's not just a highlight player. Obviously, he's a goat on YouTube, right? I mean, you see all these crazy dunks, these block shots. I mean, he's so tall. He's so long, seven foot four with the eight foot wingspan. He's always going to be making highlight level plays. But what really stands out about uh, him to me is the intangibles. Jim, I've really never seen anything like how he prepares for games. He practices everything, all of the boring stuff. You know, he's closing out on shooters. Uh, he's, you know, cutting off of screens. He's working on backdoor passes. He even practices taking charges at center court. He has one of the Spurs coaches run into him so he can practice taking a charge. I mean, it's such a unique way to prepare for an NBA game when pretty much everybody else is out there just shooting up jumpers and jogging around and kind of waiting for the game to start. He's a very, very intelligent guy. I think uh, Greg Popovich has called him a quick learner time and again here in the first two weeks. And I think that's really what's helping him hit the ground running is that basketball intelligence. Ben Galber joining us. And really quickly, Ben, what's been the reaction around the league from his veteran peers? What do they make of him? Well, I've been impressed that he's been accepted. I mean, we all remember those stories about Michael Jordan showing up as a rookie and it's like a challenging locker room. And he's, there's hard drug use and all this kind of stuff. Or LeBron. Remember all the resentment around LeBron when he first got to Cleveland because he was such a hype prospect there in Ohio. But for Wembenyama, it's been a lot of uh, oohs and ahs, and people are trying to just adjust to how do you play against him, right? I mean, here's a player who you could just throw lobs to all day long. He can dunk over your centers with no problem. And then defensively, he can guard your best point guards or your, your best shooting guards, stay with them on the perimeter, and then block their jump shots in a way that nobody else really does. So we heard from Devin Booker say something along the lines of, we're still trying to figure out who this guy is. Up in Toronto, uh, OG Ananobi got his shot blocked a couple of times. He just said, Webinyama's too tall. I don't even know how to deal with him. So there's been this huge adjustment period as everyone's just trying to wrap their minds around what is it like when a guy who's seven foot four uh, has guard skills, can put the ball between his legs, can bring the basketball up in transition. I mean, we've heard so much about unicorns here over the last 10 years in the NBA, probably starting right around the Kevin Durant era, maybe. And Webanyama is just in his own class. I mean, he's taller and longer than anything we've seen, more skilled than any uh, player of his size in NBA history. And 
it was funny when he was getting warmed up down in Phoenix, even Kevin Durant was looking down from the other side of the court trying to sneak a peek, Jim. He wanted to see it for himself. He couldn't believe it. It's incredible, Ben. Like, how amazing is it that the 19-year-old is not adjusting to life in the NBA? The NBA has to adjust to the 19-year-old five games in. It really is amazing, especially in this, the era of unicorns. Ben Galbraith is joining us. So, Ben, it's obviously a marathon NBA season, but not too early to form some early impressions. Let me ask you about the Bucks. Milwaukee's won four of their first six. What do you make of what you've seen from their new Giannis Damian you know super team of sorts yeah look they've got some work to do they changed their defensive scheme coming into the season it was one of those deals where a first year head coach and adrian griffin has his vision for what the defense should look like and it was just terrible out of the gate i mean there's no other way to put it they were not stopping anybody so they've adjusted back to more of what they were doing last year with their defense and that's having brooke lopez stay in the paint and that's improved a little bit for them on that end you know it's going to take a while when you have two guys who have had their own teams for years and years in Giannis and Dame to kind of come together. But we've already seen some nice moments of chemistry late in games where they could take turns. Uh, they could kind of share the basketball. They could each hit some big shots and, and certainly get to the free throw line as well. I think that's been one of the big standout things for Milwaukee has been Damian Lillard's ability to get to the line, to, to make use of all the space that Giannis creates and just get himself to the rib. So I would say, uh, you know, Milwaukee, they haven't raced out of the gate, but they're probably happy with where they are. And certainly they know it's going to take a couple of months to bring this team together. I think that's really important when you look at Milwaukee, Boston and Phoenix, because they made such big trades that really changed their starting lineups so late in the summer. Right. Those deals didn't even get done till uh, right before media day in training camp. You got to give those teams probably two months to really see who they are. Ben Golver joining us. You know, you mentioned the defense. I would imagine they miss Budenholzer's defense. I know they miss Drew Holiday. Speaking of Drew Holiday and the Celtics, what about that revamp roster you just referenced? The Celtics have dropped just one game so far. What do you make of what you've seen from them? Well, look, they're probably of all the teams that made big moves this summer. They've come out of the game, the, uh, the gate, the fastest. I would say Jason Tatum's looked like an early season MVP candidate. It starts with him. Jalen Brown's had some really nice moments, but they're going to be able to get it done with spacing on offense and then a hard-nosed defense. Nobody wants to have to play against Derek White, uh, you know, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Andrew Holiday on the perimeter. I mean, that's the best one-to-four uh, defense I think you're going to see anywhere in the NBA. Porzingis has hit the ground running, really providing a lot of spacing on offense. That's helped make life a little bit easier for Al Horford, who's getting up there in years. Uh, this is a team that's ready to compete for a title. I think they should be viewed right next to Denver as the top championship favorites. I think if, if they were to get to that finals matchup and you're getting Jokic versus Porzigas, I mean, that'd be a crazy mismatch in terms of styles of play and body types. I think that would be something to really get excited for if it comes to that. But before we get there, I mean, I, I think you have to look at Boston as a favorite to win this in-season tournament as well. Uh, their only loss so far was on the road against Minnesota. Minnesota was really amped up for that game. They brought, you know, 110% uh, energy in that, and it still took them to overtime to put the Celtics down. So that tells you what kind of a challenge uh, this Celtics team is. And I, I think Brad Stevens did a great job this summer. You know, he really improved his starting lineup. I think he shook up the chemistry a little bit, and they're they're potent on both ends. I think you're right. Ben Galbraith joining us. I think you're right. I think Denver also looks great despite losing a couple of key role players in Bruce Brown and Jeff Green. I think they look really good. What about the Sixers? They win five of their first six. Hey, Ben, it wouldn't seem that they miss James Harden all that much. How do they look to you? Yeah, look, I think it's a case of addition by subtraction, right? Because you do lose James Harden's playmaking ability. You do lose his scoring ability. But there were so many distractions here over these last couple of months that they just look relieved and happy to move on. 
And by the way, Tyrese Maxey's looking around and saying, I'm going to get paid next summer because I've got the ball in my hands. I'm putting up huge numbers. I have all the room in the world to kind of be that number two guy to Joel Embiid. I don't think we can judge the Sixers, though, until we get to February because Daryl Morey was able to get a whole bunch of draft picks from the Los Angeles Clippers in that James Harden trade. He's got some expiring contracts that he could potentially trade as well. So I would look at Philadelphia and say they're probably the biggest buyers in the NBA right now during this regular season in terms of trying to improve and upgrade their core around Joel Embiid to really give him a shot to chase a championship this season. Now, look, uh, you know, Boston and Milwaukee, to me, they made bigger additions than Philadelphia did over the last 12 months. I think if you're Embiid, you have to start wondering, are we slipping behind? Are we falling behind here? Is this team committed to trying to put me in position to keep up with the Celtics and the Bucks? And so I think that that's why I see them as buyers. You know, I, I think Daryl Morey is kind of holds the keys to this season if he wants to uh, cash in some of those assets in February. He knows that too. And I think Tyrese Maxey, this is not a surprise to anybody. He's capitalizing on that opportunity. He looks awesome so far. What about Ben James Harden with the Clippers? I know Harden wanted the Clippers, but should the Clippers have wanted him in return? For instance, are they collecting stars or are they building a roster? In other words, do you expect this to work? No, I don't. And frankly, I don't expect it to work. I think when I look at their four guys, they're all ball dominant. They're all like 32 years and older. They all have, you know, some level of either fit concerns or injury concerns when it's Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. And when I look at how they would play in the playoffs, someone's going to get the short end of the stick. And I think it's probably going to be Russell Westbrook. And that could be really tricky for them to manage. Now, here in the short term, I think it's all about trying to settle James Harden into the right role. You want this guy to be a number three scorer. You want this to be Kawhi Leonard's team. You don't want Paul George to get lost in the shovel shuffle. And I think that's the, the key that we saw from his debut is like, why is Paul George taking such a huge step back? You know, it's not like James Harden was dominating the basketball like crazy in that game against the Knicks. And yet Paul George is kind of nowhere to be seen. So that's a, that's a tricky dynamic. They've got the right coach to navigate this stuff in uh, Ty Lue. But I just don't think that, you know, come a postseason time, they're going to try to go really small, spread everybody out, shoot lots of three-pointers. And I think if you're looking at you know a matchup with Golden State or a matchup with Denver, I'll take Golden State at Denver over the Clippers. I think they make this move for a couple of reasons, though. I don't think they thought they were good enough. I think they were worried about backsliding this season with their players getting a little bit older. And, of course, they've got that new arena coming in Inglewood, and you get another big-time you know, basketball star you know, from Southern California. That probably helps things next season as they move into that arena assuming they're able to re-sign James Harden. So there's business reasons for doing it. I I see basketball reasons for doing it. I'm just not buying it, Jim. Yeah, neither am I, and I think also for insurance, because, you know, one or more of those guys are going to get hurt. Speaking of which, finally, I'm not questioning Ben Anthony Davis's durability. Well, yes, I am. Seven games in, he's already dealing with a hip issue. Given his history of injury, and even if LeBron is what he is at 38, he is almost 39 where would you slot the Lakers in the West? Well, I was really high on them coming into this season, Jim, because I looked at the depth and their continuity from last year when they made that Western Conference Finals run. And I was thinking all the pieces have come together here for the Lakers. But the the problem is they've been working so hard for their wins here early in the season that LeBron's had to play big minutes and Anthony Davis has had to play, you know, huge minutes. And even if I was going to defend him from these accusations of you know being injury prone, and look, he's always on the shelf. That's been a, something we've seen for five, six, seven years now. You just can't expect him to be healthy if you're going to play him 38, 39, 40 minutes a night in October, right? And so I guess I'm a little bit lower on the Lakers than I was coming into the season. 
I feel like they're probably in that second tier or that third tier, but I've been really impressed by the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry. I feel like their uh, chemistry is a little bit better this season than it was last year. And, of course, Denver's riding a high above everybody. So I think the Lakers, they're no better than third. And I could easily see them being one of those teams that's fighting for a, you know, a five or a six seed because you've got these younger teams like Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Dallas. Like Those teams are really hungry trying to make a name for themselves, and it's going to be tricky for these older Lakers teams uh, to kind of keep up as the season unfolds. You know, I've got GM Nico Harrison on my pod this week, Ben, and he is really high and really bullish on Kyrie and Luka and the way they're playing next to each other. So I think you're right. The West is going to be fierce once again. He is an NBA national writer for the Washington Post. He is co-host of the Greatest of All Talk podcast and the author of Bubble Ball. It's a great book, Inside the NBA's Fight to Save a Season. Ben, great to have you back on. Appreciate you so much. Oh, my pleasure, Jim. Take care, man. Ben Galbraith joining us. Great job, Ben. Really good stuff. All right, so two pros. Tom Berducci, Ben Galbraith, baseball, basketball, NFL, Michigan man, and more. Open phone, third hour. So where do you want to go with it? He said he's very high in Golden State. He thinks their chemistry is better. Yeah, Chris Paul coming off the bench for the first time in his career. You know, not great so far, but... I think that that's going to get better as he gets more time doing so. You can hit on any of these topics. I want your ATPs next hour. Also, stay tuned.